This is the Beyond the Studio podcast. I'm Amanda Adams. And I'm Nicole Muller, and we're here to help you figure out the business of being an artist. Here we'll have honest conversations with artists, makers, and business experts, and dive deep into the work that happens beyond the studio. If you find value in listening to these conversations, please consider leaving us a rating and a review or sharing some of your favorite episodes with your creative community. It's the easiest way to show us some love and help others find the podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Hi, it's Nicole here, and I'm so excited to tell you more about one of my favorite tools beyond the studio, Artwork Archive. I've been using Artwork Archive for years now, and it's been completely game-changing for me and the way I organize and keep track of my work. Artwork Archive is an all-in-one platform to run and organize your art career. It helps you catalog your artwork online, create an online portfolio of your work, send professional polished PDF reports within seconds, and so much more. Before Artwork Archive, I was manually updating PDFs with pricing or new images every time somebody reached out expressing interest in my paintings. It was tedious and time-consuming, and I could never remember which versions I'd sent out to which collectors or consultants. It is so easy now for me to share images of newly available work, to pull up records of all my sales, and to quickly at a glance see where my work is located around the world. If you're serious about growing a sustainable art career, then you need a platform like Artwork Archive to track and manage your work. It's the most cost-effective way to run a professional art career. You can get started for under $5 a month with our exclusive discount. Head to www.artworkarchive.com beyond. Hello. This episode is a little bit different than most for a couple of reasons. One, we are recording this the week of Thanksgiving here in the States. And so this episode is coming to you on a Tuesday instead of Thursday when we typically release our episodes. And two, this is the first time that Amanda and I have caught up just the two of us in a while. We started doing topical episodes maybe about a year ago, but it has been a little while since we launched the start of season three, Beyond the Studio East Coast Edition, um, and have been sharing a lot of interviews week to week. So we thought this would be a good opportunity for the two of us to come together and share a little bit of um, background on ourselves. We really like to keep the focus on our guests during our interviews, so it's not often that we get to share a little bit of what's happening in our own lives, along with what we've been learning this year and through the podcast. We are so excited to catch up and to share a little bit more about ourselves and what we've been learning and kind of going through since we started the show and this year. But before we do that, I want to remind you that we are doing a giveaway right now. So you can enter to win the Death of the Artist book, which we interviewed the author last week on the podcast. If you haven't heard that episode yet, definitely go back and listen to it. It's one of our favorite episodes this year. And I mean, our episodes are like our children, which we also don't have. But we love them all equally, <laughs> but it was such an incredible conversation and we think it's really worth your time. So if you want to enter to win the book that we talked about in last week's episode, you can write us a rating and review on iTunes before December 1st and on next week's episode, which comes out December 3rd, we will announce the winners of the giveaway. We've been really enjoying reading y'all's ratings and reviews or well, we're reading the reviews. We just see the ratings. 
And we thought we'd share some with you because they make us feel really great and maybe they'll make you feel great too. Yeah, we just wanted to give a little shout out to um, those of you who have left us a review so far and in the spirit of gratitude, let you know how much these really do mean to us. I think we've said this in the past, but sometimes recording a podcast for as you know intimate and conversational they feel, it can be a little bit one-sided. We share them with you and we hope you enjoy these conversations, but we don't often get to interact with or be in communication with our listeners. And so we just want to share how much this really keeps us going and reaffirms the importance of these conversations. I think being able to work on the podcast has been such a privilege for Amanda and I these last few years. And so we just want to thank you. Thank you for supporting the show and for giving us your feedback. So a couple shout outs we wanted to give to some recent ratings and reviews are to Emily J.B. Sullivan, who says, this is a great podcast for artists. I started listening while I paint in my studio and I love it because it makes me feel connected to other makers. Most or many of us work alone and it's so nice to have audio art companions to remind me there are others out there working through the same stuff I am. Great advice and wisdom sprinkled in too from big picture stuff to nuts and bolts. Highly recommend. And from Aaron and Zoo, they say, one of my favorite podcasts interviewing artists and other creatives. I think I listen to almost every episode. Thank you. The content is inspiring and practical, providing a glimpse into different artists' studio practice while also covering the important topic of how artists sustain their practice, turning passion into lasting business. And Everyday Magic says, Best Art Podcast. Beyond the Studio is like the missing manual to building a professional art practice. It's everything you always wanted to know about being an artist but didn't know who to ask. Support this podcast. Thank you. And from H Bird H, as an artist, I've learned so much from this podcast. The show helps to democratize the art world by highlighting who are transparent about their journey and share their knowledge openly. Thank you. And finally, Alicia Mann says, Forward Artists, career-minded discussions that encourage pro-social thinking. Great production, so it's easy to listen to. Shout out to Amanda for that. <laughs> Most of all, these conversations are forward-thinking and practical, philosophical, and genuine. Let's make an art world that works for artists. This is the foundational idea of sustainability for the arts. Thank you. Thank you all so much again for these wonderfully thoughtful reviews. They mean so, so much to us and we truly appreciate them. So if you enjoy the podcast or you want to be entered to win our giveaway uh, to win a free copy of The Death of the Artist, then consider leaving your own rating and review. By December 1st, uh, you might even get a shout out on the podcast. Yeah, and thank you in advance for the ratings and reviews. And for those that have already left them, thank you so much. It is really helpful to get that feedback. Like Nicole said, sometimes we're just, you know, we create the episodes, we release them, and we don't really know how folks like them. So every time someone shares about it on social media or shares episodes with their friends or leaves us ratings or reviews, it really means so much to us. Um, we also get messages on Instagram or in our emails from listeners and all of the feedback makes such a huge difference. Nicole and I like selfishly do this podcast so that we can learn, but we record them so that we can all learn. So I'm just so grateful to know that others are learning along with us. And in the spirit of, of gratitude, we just wanted to thank all of our guests and 
folks that we've collaborated with, in addition to our listeners, we've really just been totally taken aback by the level of vulnerability that folks come to with the show. We don't usually know the artists before we talk to them. And so when people are ready to show up to a conversation and and really shed intimate parts of themselves with us and with our audience, it makes such a difference. And I feel like our interviews have led to these really binding relationships. And so many of the artists have continued to be our friends and collaborators and, and have even continued to support us in our own individual practices. And community was definitely something we were thinking about when we started the podcast. And we're just kind of amazed every day at the fact that community is happening and that we get to be a part of it. It feels extremely, I feel super lucky and privileged to be a part of this, but it also is a lot of hard work. And I'm also grateful to you, Nicole, for being my co-host. I know we take on a lot and it's not always easy and it's a lot of work um, and not a lot of not a lot of pay. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's a labor of love, and I know that we've bonded so much over it, and we've grown as friends and collaborators as well as individuals and artists. So, just thanks all around. Ah, yeah. I think this week we felt like we just wanted to come on, and you know, there's a lot that I think we're looking forward to saying goodbye to at the end of 2020. But at the same time, it's important to take a step back and reflect, and just felt like this was an opportunity to express our gratitude, and obviously to you, Amanda, the best podcast co-host, collaborator, business partner ever, uh, who does all of our audio editing, which I've said so many times is completely beyond my skill set for spending so much time on the podcast. I literally know nothing about audio editing or sound engineering. So having our own in-house producer is pretty amazing. And I feel like we have really bonded through this too. And we are able to just naturally work together really easily. And um, our collaboration, I think, has grown stronger over the last couple of years. And I really appreciate having somebody who who balances out my own <laughs> my own weaknesses and um, skill sets. And uh, it's great to have, have that mix. Um, so I think when you're looking for collaborators, looking for people that are really excel and are really great at the things that you're not so good at <laughs> is one helpful tip. But in all honesty, I think um, I would just echo what Amanda said this year, especially, I think we've been really just touched by how how vulnerable people have been willing to to be on the podcast and i think you know we have been working remotely on this for a couple of years so it wasn't really a difficult transition for us to make at the start of this year but it's been a good reminder that you know community can happen from afar and you know building remote successful collaborations is is completely possible And so it's been exciting to know that we can continue to grow a project like the podcast, um, even in the midst of really challenging circumstances when we're all spread out and feeling isolated. Yeah. And I know being spread out is part of why we started the podcast in the first place. We, you know, used to live in the same the same state, the same city. We used to live in the same house. We were roommates for a number of years. And when Nicole moved across the country, we 
we're trying to figure out a way that we could continue to keep in touch and continue to collaborate and continue to have these really practical conversations about what we were learning in our own practices and, and kind of giving each other advice and li- listening to each other's learning experiences. So I'm just grateful that we had the podcast already kind of started going into this year because we never could have predicted the level of isolation that we would be facing and to already have a place that we can hold conversations that doesn't require us to be together in person was really really helpful and I I don't know about you but I definitely leaned on the podcast a lot throughout this year as a way to kind of process going through so much I mean we definitely experienced very directly many of the same hardships of 2020 that y'all I'm sure are also experiencing either through grief or job loss, um, opportunity loss, isolation, fear for, you know, our own health, loved ones. It's been a really tough season, but having a place where we can put forth, I don't know, some good energy and talk really vulnerably and real. Um, I know the episode we had where listeners submitted their stories meant so much to just hear how other folks are dealing. And we did do a little bit of a catch up on that episode as well on where we were through this year. But we wanted to take today as an opportunity to kind of catch up on a larger scale. Uh, We haven't done a real introductory to who we are episode since the very beginning of the show, and we get to sprinkle in a little bit about ourselves throughout the episodes, but it's very rare that we (laughs) turn the conversation to each other. Uh, We don't identify as experts, so we're not trying to like teach you how to be a successful artist. We're we're here as those with with inquiry, and we're we're showing up with the questions because we want to know because we're really trying to figure it out. But we also want to make sure that y'all know who we are because we're on this journey together. So we thought we could catch you up a little bit on what's been happening in our own work and lives over the years and especially in this year. So Nicole, do you want to catch us up on where you've been and your journey since we started the podcast and what you've been learning and going through this year? Yeah, well, for background, my own studio practice is primarily my backgrounds in painting. So I'm primarily a painter, um, but I create a lot of, more recently, uh, large-scale immersive installation-based work that is taking elements of stained glass and fusing color and light into uh, large collage-like, mostly vinyl window installations and some sculptural works, and then have also painted a lot of large-scale murals. So those are sort of the three aspects of my practice currently, but I'll, I'll give a super quick summary um, of my career post-art school, but the very first episodes that Amanda and I ever recorded were with each other. So I had interviewed Amanda about her work in life, and Amanda had interviewed me about my work in life. So if you want to hear about our early careers, sort of beyond the last three years, uh, you can go back and listen to those first couple of episodes in season one. 
but I um, used to do a lot of commercial mural painting. So that was sort of my bread and butter in the first couple of years after graduating from art school, along with a lot of different types of creative freelance work. But I started doing some recruiting for um, the art school that Amanda and I both went to where we met and eventually um, ended up working in higher education um, as an admissions counselor for a couple of years. So I was traveling and working full time while also supporting my studio practice. I did a handful of artist residencies and kind of a mix of work before moving out to the Bay Area with my partner. So when I made this move, um, I left that full-time job behind to start focusing more fully on my studio practice. And um, that's also when Amanda and I started working on the podcast. So it was about three and a half years ago now. This was at the start of 2017. And so I guess that's kind of where I'll pick up. So for me, I was, you know, excited about moving across the country to a larger city like San Francisco and really kind of giving it a go to focus fully on my um, my studio practice. So I didn't really have a plan or any jobs lined up and coming out here. My partner had taken a job, which was sort of a catalyst for us moving, but we had lived in Baltimore for about nine years at the time. And I think we're just ready for a new challenge and for some growth. And so prior to that, um, like I mentioned, I'd been working full-time in college admissions, but I also had had my first solo show in Maryland. Um, I had been doing a lot of painting um, and, and starting to sell my work in a little bit more of a substantial way. So I had been working with art consultants for a number of years, and I had a couple of large sales before moving out to San Francisco, which you know felt like some momentum that I could build on. So when I first got out here, I was moving into a new studio. I was just, you know, trying to produce a lot of work and I was really proactive about reaching out to people and um, new art consultants, trying to set up some studio visits and just applying to everything um, from grants to exhibitions, you know, public art projects. And so a small number of things started to work out. You know, I received a grant within that first year or that was attached to a solo exhibition. So that was my first solo show out here in California. I had a couple of shows since then and, you know, participated in a handful of group shows. But to be honest, I I wasn't really at a point where I was able to support myself fully through my creative practice. And something else I think I really underestimated was the jump in moving from a city like Baltimore, where the cost of living is really affordable. You know, I could afford a studio and an apartment, no problem, even off of, you know, various sources of income to moving out to San Francisco, which uh, has an extremely high cost of living um, in addition to a studio. And so I think while my income stayed relatively the same that first year, my expenses, you know, practically tripled. So um, yeah. I ended up taking on a part-time job uh, doing some museum work while I was also, you know, focused on my studio work and still selling some paintings. But again, I think um, I kind of underestimated the um, the amount that I would need. And so those first couple of years I felt were really um, filled with a lot of instability and, you know, questioning whether I had made the right choice. Did I, uh, was I able to make this work? You know, I was hustling constantly and feeling like this was sort of an investment, both financially, but, you know, personally, just in my work and was kind of holding out hope that, you know, there was that 
there was another opportunity just around the corner and I, I kind of just had to keep hustling for another month or two. But, you know, looking back, I mean, I'm not sure whether I would have done things differently because I think, you know, it's all it's all learning experiences. Um, and I was able to really grow my practice in substantial ways. You know, I I took on some large scale projects that have since led to other kind of larger paid opportunities um, that I wouldn't have otherwise had. And so I, I think there's definitely value to taking risks on and kind of betting on yourself. But at the same time, I think I would have maybe given myself a little bit more runway or, you know, just acknowledging how how challenging it is not only to make that transition from working full time to being fully self-employed, but to also moving to a new city where you're, you know, essentially starting over building your contacts and just developing relationships. So that's something that that really takes time. And, you know, three years in the Bay Area, and I sort of feel like I'm, I'm just getting to know people and, and the art scene here. So I think that is something that I, I also learned. So all that to say, you know, a couple of years working part time, and then focusing on my work was really, really a roller coaster. And um, financially, it definitely set me back. So I had accrued a lot of debt in that period that I was carrying around with me, trying to pay off, but also trying to make enough just to support myself in the Bay Area. And so I got to a point where I, um, I really needed to make a change. And, you know, I still felt really committed to my practice, but I, I realized that, you know, this was just going to take more time and things weren't really working the way that I needed them to. So a long story short, that's kind of what led me to, you know, opening myself up to the possibility of working a day job. And about a year and a half ago, I started working at California College of the Arts, uh, so an art school out here in SF, within their career development office. So I made a shift from the undergraduate admission side to working in career development. And I think had it not been for the podcast, I'm not sure that I would have even considered a role like that. So in a big way, the work that Amanda and I have done on Beyond the Studio has kind of ignited this passion for professional practices uh, for artists and, you know, looking at ways to support, um, support other artists and to help fill in that gap. So I saw this opening uh, for a career engagement advisor. I applied and started working, and um, I currently work at CCA now as the assistant director for Fine Arts and Humanities and Career Development, which is so amazing to get to work with students and, and artists in that way. And in you know a big way, I, I do feel like that work is really connected to the podcast. But you know, it's it's been a, a hustle, and I still, in addition to working on the the podcast have been growing my studio practice in other ways, and I can talk a little bit about this year, um, but that's was sort of the background and decision that led me to kind of, you know, shifting focus and making a change in, in my schedule and income. So actually going into 2020, at the end of 2019, I had set a goal for myself. Uh, I needed to pay off the debt that I had accrued over the first couple of years of just, you know, investing money into art supplies that I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to pay off that month. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, really trying to kind of leverage that stability that I had through receiving a steady paycheck while also having these other sources of income, you know, through my studio and through the podcast to really try and grow um, in a more significant way that would allow me some more buffer. Um, So if I ever were to make that transition again, um, I think I would have 
you know, make it a goal to have a number of projects lined up. And I would, I would definitely have a longer runway for myself to be able to kind of make that shift from working full-time to working as a, a full-time artist. So that was my goal, uh, going into 2020. And <laughs> it seemed, it seemed reasonable at the time because something else that happened was I, I was contacted about a project for an installation that was larger than any project I'd ever done. It was for a global company that has a base here in San Francisco um, that was opening a new office space. And this was through an art consultancy. Uh, They wanted to commission me to create a sculptural installation for this experience center is what they called it. Um, So this was a big deal for me because I had wanted to break into this realm of public art and doing more installation-based work, but was kind of waiting for the right opportunity. And, you know, just kind of speaking back to that idea of investing in yourself and taking risks and betting on yourself, every, every show or kind of every, you know, opportunity that I did have, I really tried to use to kind of like grow my portfolio in a significant way or, you know, kind of like leverage that towards the next thing. So, for example, I had a solo show here in Davis, California, and there was a really beautiful two-story window atrium in this gallery space. And I initially had proposed creating a series of paintings, but when I saw the space, I knew that I really wanted to do something with these windows. And I had been working on these large scale kind of stained glass um, collages. I had done a piece for a show back in Maryland um, in that vein. And so I felt like this was an opportunity to expand that. And um, so I wanted to create a kind of hanging sculptural installation out of colored acrylic that would would hang in this atrium and create this kind of stained glass effect as the sun would move through the space. And so that was a pretty big leap um, for me artistically because A, I had never done anything like that before. Um, I had never worked in sculpture and it was far more complex to create what even looks like a pretty straightforward piece hung from the ceiling of this gallery than I could have ever imagined. So just <laughs> the amount of time and labor and uh, materials that you know went into that project were were not insignificant but I, you know I was sort of viewing it as an opportunity to to show that I could do that type of work you know that I could use that work then in my portfolio to apply to other public art projects or that you know I could share that with others to to generate more paid projects and so that's sort of how I was looking at it. And so finally, this was kind of two years after that show, but I had this opportunity to do this huge, you know, installation that was really based on that piece. And so this was really exciting. I had gotten a deposit and started work on the designs and we were just waiting for final approval and about to begin fabrication when COVID hit. So we entered into this holding pattern and one month turned into two months and Eventually, I got word that because of delays in construction and uncertainty around when, if ever, we would be going back to work in an office space, they had decided to put the art projects on hold and um, the, the project was unfortunately canceled. <laughs> it, it was really disappointing at the time. And I can, you know, speak about it now and, you know, also the recognition that this isn't a unique story that, you know, many, many artists have had canceled projects and exhibitions. 
But, you know, for me, just not getting to see that project come to life was was definitely, you know, a big disappointment. But also because, you know, I was sort of financially counting on that project to help me pay off that debt. So Mm -hmm. that was that was disappointing in a big way. The good news was that, you know, I had gotten that deposit again, that was about 50% of the project. So, you know, initially that was meant to go towards materials and uh, the design work, but what I was able to do instead was just put that towards paying off my debt. So that really helped to to accelerate that um, in a kind of unexpected way that had the project continued, maybe I wouldn't be able to put as much of that money towards, towards that goal. But that's sort of where, um, where things were at the start of the summer. And I think, you know, Amanda and I were talking a little bit about this related to the podcast, but we just really tried to be um, intentional with, with setting goals and kind of, you know, welcoming opportunities into our life. And I know it sounds really cheesy, but I felt like I was in this place of really, really working hard internally to to be open to possibilities and to be hopeful and optimistic because it seemed like everything around us was so just so discouraging. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, there was just a lot that felt like it seemed like it was, you know, not going great. And um, so I, I felt like there was a lot of internal work to be done in just trying to trying to stay positive, but, you know, kind of envision what what the other side of this might look like and to kind of you know focus on the light at the end of the tunnel and and I think that internal shift you know had a lot to do with some of these external opportunities that started to come about so you know even in this time of of scarcity and uncertainty I think really trying to cultivate an abundant mindset really I don't know just shifted something and so whether it just you know changes the way that you talk about your work with other people or the kind of expectation that you have for yourself. I really think that makes a difference. And we were talking with some other artists about this on the podcast, uh, but I really started to focus on that, um, that financial health and um, cultivating that mindset around my own finances. So even though I still had this debt and again, we were in the middle of COVID, so it really felt like, you know, we didn't know what was going to happen. And I was also thinking around this time I might get furloughed or let go from my job. So there was a lot of fear, but I really... fires. And the fires in California. Yeah, there was a a lot happening (laughs) around that time. So I guess I just share that because I feel like what happens next wasn't a complete accident. You know, I think there was some, maybe some divine timing here, but I think part of it had to do with just making that internal decision that I was going to kind of put myself on a, a different wavelength for a while. And so even though this project had just gotten canceled, I I really wanted to keep that commitment to myself to pay off my debt this year. And my other goal was to double my income from the previous year, which sounds substantial, but I'll also mention I was not working full-time uh, in my current role. So this was, you know, working a mix of creative freelance and some painting sales and working at the museum. So I was already, you know, maybe two-thirds of the way there, but I still I still just, you know, wanted to stick with that goal and I didn't really know how it was going to happen. But this was midway through 2020. And about a month later, um, I would say, I got a letter in the mail uh, letting me know that two large paintings from my studio had sold earlier in the year or this was 
you know, pretty unexpected, but I kid you not, the amount of that check was almost to a T exactly the amount that I had left on my credit card debt. Oh my and God. so that painting sales, um, or that, that painting sale enabled me to finish paying off my debt and then get me a little bit closer to that second goal. But it kind of put me over the edge in both cases. And so I just, I feel a little emotional thinking back to it because it, it was so meaningful at the time. And I think it was just such a, such a blessing and a gift, you know, in the midst of this year to, you know, again, kind of knowing, knowing what a struggle it is and to just to have, you know, something like that come through was, was really, truly a gift. So I think that has kind of uh, led us to this year, um, you know, going going into the last quarter with a, kind of a clean slate and then really being able to just think about the future feels really surreal. Um, again, in this time where there's there's still a lot of uncertainty and instability, but I have felt really lucky that there was, you know, some personal growth that happened and you know, in a in a strange way that I can't really explain, there has actually been some real opportunity, even in the midst of, of that loss. I'll also mention the, the sort of uncanny thing um, about the project that got canceled was that the the amount that I lost. So once the project was canceled, you know, we still had about fifty percent to go. the The amount of the painting sales were almost equal to the amount that was lost in the initial project. So I just felt like, you know, everything was kind of aligning in a surreal, strange way. Um, Yeah. But it's been, um, yeah, a really, um, you know, it's still a a kind of roller coaster of a year, but makes me feel hopeful for, you know, the future of my work and and studio practice and um, still trying to hold on to that belief that, you know, opportunities will open up again. And there's still a little bit of disappointment in that project um, getting canceled, but just, um, you know, very, very grateful for the recent support of my work. And I think, you know, once we're on the other side of this, I, I really feel like things will start to happen and open up. So hopefully that, you know, anyone that's out there that's been experiencing loss of opportunity, that things, you know, things can still happen. And even in the midst of, of this craziness, but I I definitely think there'll be, you know, some opportunity on the other side of this. Yeah, for sure. So that's a little bit of a summary of what's been going on in my own life, but that's not even to really, really touch on the podcast, which I think we feel more committed to now than ever and are also really excited to grow throughout this year. You know, here at Beyond the Studio, we are big fans of working smarter, not harder and creating systems that will help you grow your studio practice. That's why I am such a huge fan of Artwork Archive, the all-in-one platform that helps me run and organize my painting practice and career. If you don't have a personal inventory management system, or you've just been using PDFs and spreadsheets to keep track of all the work around your studio, then you need to start using Artwork Archive. Having a website is great for sharing my portfolio publicly, but I got to a point where I needed something on the back end to help me track and organize all of my work. The work that was outside my studio in exhibitions, on consignment, the work that sold five years ago or got donated to that art auction. Artwork Archive is great for all of this and allows me to pull income reports, track my contacts, and see changes over time to get a clearer picture of how my artistic practice is growing. 
I was surprised to realize that a majority of my sales one year were coming through a small handful of art advisories and that I really needed to cultivate those relationships. Now you can even send online invoices, accept digital payments for your work, and receive purchase requests directly from interested buyers. Using Artwork Archive is like having my own personal studio assistant and makes me feel so on top of my art career even when everything else feels like chaos. It is just a no-brainer. And Beyond the Studio listeners can get started using Artwork Archive for less than $5 a month by heading to www.artworkarchive.com beyond. Amanda, how have you been? <laughs> We've talked a lot <laughs> behind the scenes, but I think it's great that we get to share a little bit on the podcast about what's been going on. And so I would love to hear about your year. And I'll also just mention to listeners that you should definitely check out Amanda's interview um, because she has some great insights to share from a few years ago even. Yeah, I can catch up a little bit on kind of what's been happening since then and what I've been learning this year. (laughs) Um, So when we started the podcast, you had just moved to San Francisco. I had just left my job at Apple because I thought that I was going to get a job working at our old school. Um, And that didn't end up working out. And I was bummed at the time, but I think it was exactly what needed to happen. um, Because that was what led to me calling Nicole and being like, hey, what do you think about starting a project together? Maybe it's a podcast. Let's do it. Um, and then when we started releasing episodes, I had been working at a cafe. One of my old bosses at a previous cafe had offered me a job. So I was doing that part time while I was trying to figure out building my business. And I guess, sorry, real backstory. I am a fiber artist and illustrator, and I kind of, I guess really I'm a multi multidisciplinary artist. I like to do a lot of things, but I primarily do a lot of sewing work that I sell online directly through my brand, Close Call Studio, and I also do a lot of wholesale where I'm selling bulk items to stores for them to resell and do some uh, freelance illustrating stuff and create more products within my brand but when I started the or when we started the podcast I was still splitting my time between a day job and I had always in the past previously been able to I guess in the years in which I was running my business and working I had been able to sort of seasonally adjust my day job versus self-employment hours kind of depending on how busy my work was but I think later on in 2017, the year we started the podcast, um, I was able to stop working elsewhere completely. Um, I think I, the restaurant I was working at kind of was in the process of closing and I was like, oh, the holiday season is about to start. I can at least have a few months of, you know, working off of the busyness of a holiday season. Anyone that is a maker probably knows that the holiday season, you'd can make significantly more money than you would make throughout the rest of the year, at least if you're following that retail model. But the years since while we've been doing the podcast, I've really been each year kind of trying to figure out (laughs) how to work for myself in a way that is sustainable. The first year, I definitely also got myself into a lot of debt. I think I both 
personally and professionally, I mean, so much of it is you have to, surely listeners, you understand, you have to front materials. Um, you have, if you're doing markets or art shows, you have to pay those booth fees so far in advance. Um, so I was having to put a lot of money on my credit card and then money that I would be making was really just paying myself back for money that I had already spent. And I don't think I actually paid myself as an employee for the first year of working full time for myself, which is part of why I got into debt. Um, you know, I could maybe live a little bit off of cash that I had made at craft shows or, you know, personal projects here and there. But it was really, it, it was a year of poor planning financially for me. But I learned really quickly how to try to make some of those adjustments and started to get super clear on my numbers and getting a better idea of how much I needed to make to be able to start paying myself. So after the first year, I had done some work to raise my prices. I was making building out my website. I was really trying to update my branding, update my presence on social media and be really strategic about that. Obviously, the podcast is is a part of self-promotion. I'm, you know, I'm still the same person in both places. So if you if you like me here, maybe you like me there. Um, <laughs> and I think after the first year of learning, like, okay, here's how much money I need to make and here's how I need to do that. The second year of being fully self-employed was really about learning how to manage my time better because I sort of went into this, all of my time is mine. I work for myself. So now I will work in all of my spare time. And I wasn't really being a very respectful boss to myself. I wasn't being respectful of the time that I needed to recoup and recover. Definitely have not been <laughs> very respectful of like my literal space in my home. Like my business takes up so much, which is a nightmare for my sweet minimalist spouse who shares a studio with me who has like a tiny desk and I take up all the other space and there's just felt everywhere. But I kind of made a mistake in my in that year because I sort of was just trying really hard to solve the money problem so I was making a bigger problem for myself with time and so now since then I've been trying to figure out how to pay myself well how to manage my time in a respectful way and now being in quarantine working for myself it didn't seem that much of a shift because I already was working at home my studio is here I already don't like going to the post office that much anyway, so it was basically a weekly endeavor before. The isolation definitely is more noticeable, but it was already a factor. And now, because of this year, I definitely am trying to do some more self-evaluating on like, what do I want my non-work time to look like? How do I want to establish really healthy boundaries? I'm currently pushing them in a very unhealthy direction because of this <laughs> busy holiday season that we're in right now. But I'm trying to take these lessons I'm learning the hard way this year to apply to the next year. I know at the start of 2020, we had been doing some goal setting. And I did that for my own business. And I also was trying, have been trying really hard to pay off my debts this year. I'm not quite where you are yet. I, I have knocked my debt a little bit more than halfway, which is, it feels really good. But my goal at the beginning of the year, I was like, I'm going to try to not travel, which if you know me, I travel usually quite often, like usually have a couple Trump or 
ooh, a couple trips a month. Sorry, don't ever want to say that again. <laughs> um, I usually would be traveling quite often. And so at the beginning of 2020, before any of this happened, I was like, I'm going to try to not travel so much this year and try to save really aggressively to pay off this debt so that I can start 2021 and figure out like paying myself well and trying to meet some more personal growth goals. And I didn't realize that this year would hold me so accountable to that goal. I've only left the city twice this entire year and they were both so refreshing, but they uh, only just happened pretty recently. And now that cases are going up, I don't think they'll be having it again anytime soon. Plus it's getting cold out, but I guess that's a little bit of catching up on where I've been going in my career. Hopefully that's helpful and not such a weird windy tangent. But 2020 also has been a year of, I hopefully don't get too emotional right now, but in May I lost my grandmother and it was really, the grief hit me way harder than I had ever expected. And so that started me on like a very difficult mental health journey this year where I Basically, from mid-May to maybe mid-August, I think I was having an anxiety attack like at least once a week, and it definitely was super draining and really hard to try to work through, but that got me started on a like yoga and meditation practice, which since I started doing those on a regular basis, I have not been having the anxiety attacks, which has been really nice <laughs> to not be like, oh, here's that weekly... <laughs> panic attacks coming on strong. And that's been a really helpful thing. And I've, I'm trying to kind of bring meditation into my creative practice as well and sort of taking those personal health and, and mental health boundaries and really establish them into my work life because I don't often respect my boundaries there with my work because I think I love the work so much. And I'm sure a lot of artists can relate that you know, when you love it, you're like, this is giving me life, but it also takes a lot of energy away from you. So that's been a really helpful part of my journey and, uh, but also a difficult one. Um, so that's sort of been going on this year on top of like creating and making. So, yeah. Yeah. I almost, I mean, this year has been so long <laughs> that mm -hmm. I almost, forgot about what it felt like in the very beginning, but I I could definitely relate to those mental health struggles. And I think especially over the summer and when this was first happening, I, I remember a period for the first month where it just felt like we had so much to do. We were in transition and, you know, again, kind of recognizing that I was lucky to have had a job that allowed me to work remotely so I didn't have the same kind of sudden financial instability that a lot of people were facing. Mm -hmm. But on the flip side, it seemed like, you know, everybody was in panic mode and we were trying to make this really fast 180 pivot. And so while everybody was talking about, you know, making sourdough starters and having more time than they ever had, mm -hmm. I was just feeling completely overwhelmed with work and like I was busier than ever. And yeah. We were short-staffed and there was, you know, so much to do. And so at first it felt good because there was a distraction and something to keep me busy. And 
I was able to just focus on work, which I think you and I both share a tendency to do that to begin with. So at first it was sort of welcome, but I think I started to run into these walls where just the emotional side of everything would catch up with me. And um, I definitely relate to the spikes and anxiety. And I think over the summer, it just felt like once or twice a week, I was just <laughs> facing emotional breakdowns. And and then, you know, the, the work, which initially felt like a welcome distraction, was just really feeling overwhelming. And so I remember for the first couple of months of quarantine, I wasn't even getting to the studio at all, which is usually a really regular part of my life and schedule. And when I first made this shift to working a full-time day job, it was, you know, a big adjustment to have to manage your time around essentially having, you know, 40 to 60 hours a week taken up by something else to to still try and prioritize and work in, um, you know, your studio work and then uh, work on the podcast, which we had even kind of put on hold, I think, for the first half of this year. Mm-hmm. But it was a juggling act and I just felt like my capacity to take on anything new was just, like, just diminishing. And so I think the ability that I would normally have to take on extra projects and be sort of like hustling outside of work. Just, I felt like it was hard to even make it through a regular work day. And, you know, usually like very easy kind of minimal tasks felt really hard to complete um, at times. And so I felt like our emotional bandwidth was just really depleted. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I was definitely feeling those effects too and um and still you know to a certain extent i think you know now that we're however many months in um starting starting to adjust a little bit but i think the emotional roller coaster especially at the start of this year was really tough and so yeah. we've we've all been through it um i feel like i don't need to <laughs> to share this because everybody's probably experienced this on some level but yeah. you know it's helpful to talk it through. And I think, you know, being at a point where we can, we have at least a little bit of distance to be able to step back and, um, and talk about it. I, I don't think we could have even recorded this episode <laughs> three, four months ago, but we tried, we talked about doing catch up episodes over the last, well, we've talked about it a few times this year. And kind of every time we had talked about it, it was like, I am not in a place to, to talk about anything like it's too hard. And I forgot to mention, and I, I think I've mentioned it in previous episodes, but pretty much that time frame where I was having my weekly anxiety attacks, I was on em- unemployment for most of that time because I had lost also a, a lot of opportunities, especially with craft shows, which really were my, they were a good, you know, third of my income and during the holiday season, even a greater ratio. And so dealing with that and trying to figure out like, how am I going to be able, and my, my husband was also on unemployment and it was like, am I the only possible breadwinner with my business? And like, even that is suffering. Like, I don't know what to do. And there were just so many fears and, you know, that simultaneously going on with the most horrifying news cycle, really we've seen in a minute of just constant horror and I don't know, hopefully (laughs) things are getting a little bit better. But it's, it's definitely been a really tough year, but I'm so grateful that we've had the podcast as a way to sort of take all of that energy and pour it into something that like feels productive and helpful. And especially 
I'll bring it back to gratitude again. Like I'm so grateful that our guests were willing, have been willing to be so unbelievably real and vulnerable in these conversations because I know that I have taken so much of our talks and like applied it to my own life or, or taken advice. I feel like every episode I am like, okay, what can I learn? And like, how can I make my own work and life better from how this amazing artist is is figuring it out? What can I reverse engineer for my myself? So having the podcast to work on has been incredibly helpful and encouraging. Um, I know I got so much good advice from talking to like at the beginning of the year when we were talking with Monique I mean we interviewed her in January like at the very beginning of the year before anything had even happened and that Mm -hmm. kind of set me off on the idea of doing various series throughout the year which has been a really helpful creative project kind of getting through quarantine and whatnot and I know we've had kind of a common theme among episodes of learning where to spend your time and where to spend your money and kind of which is the best use of of either in your practice and I'm trying to be better about that because I think I would often do a lot of self-sacrificing with my time to just to know that like I'm doing it myself when there are things that I can reasonably outsource to know that they're going to be done well or even better than I can and also just taking some of that workload off i I don't want to be working all the time, but I tend to find myself doing that. So I'm trying to find ways to be better about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that episode with Monique because this was the first one that we ended up releasing as part of our current season, but we definitely had to include a disclaimer that this was recorded pre-COVID times. And Mm. so it felt, you know, like a, a world away, but but you just reminded me that um, something else that she had suggested that I think has come up a couple of times had had also really helped me out. And she had recommended the book by Jen Sincero, You Are Badass at Making Money. And mm-hmm. I think another podcast guest or somebody else had recommended this. And so I felt like, okay, I need to check this out. And I listened to it on Audible within like a week. And honestly, I feel like that helped to just set me on that trajectory to be able to pay off my debts to make some of these big financial strides and a big part of it you know really has to do with your kind of internal mindset around uh, money management but also getting really specific with what your goals are and what what they mean to you so what's the purpose of you know these numbers and then really kind of envisioning what that is like as if as if that's the reality so I think that really helped me to visualize how great it would feel to pay off my debts this year and and you know already having like systems in place like I think there was already um, already a system set up. So I guess I would just say, you know, we've been talking about both working towards paying off debts a little bit through this episode. And no matter how long it takes, I think, you know, a good a good strategy is just to create a system for yourself so that you are at least incrementally making progress. But I know that was something I wanted to prioritize. And I also felt like, you know, there's only so much budgeting you can do <laughs> or there's only so much you can kind of cut out of your life until, you know, going back to that time and money. The balancing act that at a certain point, you know, shifting shifting focus into growing your income and ways that you can increase what you're bringing in um, is, you know, another way of 
of balancing that equation. And so I think that that was really a focus was, you know, what can I prioritize and actually really helped to inform um, not only, you know, how I was tackling personal financial goals in my life, but how we were approaching the podcast. So I think we've been really open that, you know, this is this is a podcast to talk with artists about how to live sustainable careers. And so, you know, we are very really open and I think intentional about trying to treat the podcast in a similar way that this is something that, you know, we do very much as a labor of love. It's certainly not a a profitable venture at this point, but we related to just the amount of of time and um, labor and energy that Amanda and I both put into it. Um, But I feel like we have also been really conscious about, you know, using the the podcast mindfully and, and intentionally, but to 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 generate income and um, how can we, you know, create a a support system with that. And so we were pretty proactive, I would say, um, or have been throughout the last couple of years about reaching out to sponsors and just furthering our education about what it what it is like to run a podcast and um, how are other podcasters, you know, sustaining themselves and their work. And so in the same way that we're kind of growing our own knowledge around how artists are supporting their practices. We've also been doing a lot of research on our end about what it looks like to run and grow a sustainable podcast and, you know, continue to add value in in different ways. And so we've taken on some podcast sponsorships and have tried to be really intentional about partnering with organizations that share our our mission. And so I think that mentality has also informed um, how we're thinking about growing beyond the studio. Yeah, and I I wanted to mention also there were a couple episodes that I had found super inspiring that sort of I'm using to try to make better practices within my own business. And there were both conversations with both Sarahs, with Sarah Husseini of Not Work Related and with Sarah K. Benning of Sarah K. Benning. And they had both talked about kind of setting personal boundaries around wholesale, either trying to reduce it or trying to stop doing it or, you know, just making sure that you're paid really well for it. And I had really started to embrace wholesale in my business practice. And I thought like, this is the thing that's going to get me in front of a bunch of people's eyes that's going to grow my business a ton. And it really was the first year that I had gone full time for myself, wholesale, especially for Christmas ornaments. (laughs) during the holidays had carried me through. And so I had tried over the next couple of years to start working on them earlier in the year so that I could build up more inventory so that I could accept more wholesales. And then I got to the point where I was spending about half of the year just making Christmas ornaments in preparation of the holidays. And I realized like, why am I making myself this one woman assembly line of products that I'm not as excited about because I'm making hundreds of them and paying myself such a meager wage for this labor where I'm like literally exhausting my hands. They hurt so much now. And, you know, joint pain at 30 was not something I prepared for, but it's the, it's the life I'm leading myself to because of my work practices and hearing the way that they had established boundaries for themselves and like really advocated for themselves in their own businesses. I realized like I need to be doing that myself as well. So I like I cut off wholesale for ornaments completely. I was like, I'm not doing them anymore, only to a couple stores that I already have really good relationship that like, I I believe in their business so much, I want to keep contributing to, you know, being a part of it. And I didn't go quite far enough, because I still 
have a lot of handmade items that I offer for wholesale. So I'm hopefully next year that will be something that I can pivot to really make things easier on myself. But it's a learning process. And, you know, this Mm -hmm. so much can happen within a year. And, you know, every lesson that you learn the hard way, you can take that experience to make things a little bit better for yourself. I mean, I know we're having this conversation now kind of towards the end of November and earlier this year my husband and I were both on unemployment and now we're in the process of looking for a house and so much can happen in a short span of a year and mm-hmm. so that's also something we're really focused on it's not super exciting because we don't have a house to show for it yet but we both have been trying to grow our bus- our creative businesses a lot and we're at the point where we've really physically outgrown our small apartment. So we had to have a conversation where we either invest in both having outside studios or we try to just invest in a house where we have enough space for us to each grow into our studios. So mm-hmm. we decided on the latter and that's where we are now, trying to set better boundaries for the holidays with my work and trying to buy a house and working on the podcast. We're all up to date now. <laughs> yeah. Well, something that I I love that you just set, shared that too, because um, I, I feel like something that I've learned this year it, that, you know, 2020 has really <laughs> put into focus is that stability and predictability and, you know, all of these things are, are re- really just an illusion. I mean, this mm-hmm. year I feel like has shown us how drastically things can change. I mean, nobody could have predicted what, where we would be <laughs> a year ago. I don't think any of us imagined 2020 would have unfolded in this way. And so at first that realization felt really crippling and, and really scary. But I think there's also another side to that that might feel a little bit empowering because if if anything can happen and if, you know, things can change within a matter of months, then that also means if you're struggling or if you're in a place where, you know, things are not going well, then it is possible that things can turn around. And I think for me, when I looked at the, you know, the possibility of working full-time as an artist, that that felt really exciting, but also really scary. Like you're fully dependent on yourself and all of your success or all of your failure really hinges on, you know, your own output and what you put into it. And so it, it felt like you're, you know, taking this huge risk in a sense. And while, you know, some of that might be true, I also think that, you know, I look at that possibility now and it feels no less unstable or unpredictable than the situation we're in now. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, even though I have a full-time job, there's a possibility that could go away tomorrow. And I think just, you know, knowing that, again, I think this relates back to sort of the, the qualities that we hone as artists. And I look at, you know, projects that we've been able to accomplish or things that we've been able to figure out. And it's just really forced, um, or I guess reaffirms that that self-belief, you know, in the midst of, of all of this doubt, just the knowledge that, you know, we can figure things out and that we can, you know, we're going to be able to find a way through this. I mean, we have to find a way through this. So there is, there is something empowering in that and it makes 
all these other possibilities and realities a little less scary. And maybe it's just the scale of, of, you know, things that have been happening this year where you look at something like making the transition to becoming a full-time artist feels a little bit like, oh, that's no big deal compared to other things we've had to confront. But Mm -hmm. I think just that question of, you know, is this the, is this the most difficult thing I've ever had to do? (laughs) Maybe not. So it's just been a reminder that, um, you know, we can do hard things, we can figure things out. And that has, I think there's still self-doubt in there, you know, that always creeps in. But when I think ahead and, you know, I'm looking at kind of possibilities and ways that we want to grow the podcast or, you know, ways that I want to grow my, my studio work, I think I feel a little bit more confident now in um, feeling like I'm going to be able to figure it out, you know, whatever happens. And so, I guess that's something that I've been thinking about this year. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like I'm at the end of every day. I think what a time to be alive. And if I've made it this far, then maybe I'm going to be okay. (laughs) Um, And I feel like I think that a lot with my business, with my relationships, with everything. I'm like, if we've gotten through this, we can handle an unbelievable amount. And I am really encouraged by even though this year has been extremely difficult I feel like it's allowed us to take these conversations in so many more directions and getting so much deeper about issues that we're talking about like it's not just like how can we strategize to use our social media to leverage our business to grow to get in front of more eyes it's like how can we use whatever skills we have to make a greater society for art and artists to be really valued and to be part of the conversation and to to live sustainably and to have equity in their work and to have equality across representation? I'm so grateful that we are able to have these conversations now because I certainly don't know the answers and I I hope through talking we can hear some some good ideas. But yeah, it's been a really hard year, but a year of a lot of hope. The hard has been really hard, but the hope has been so inspiring and empowering. And I'm grateful that we have a podcast where we can talk about both sides of it. And thank you listeners for being cool with kind of the direction we're taking it in. I think in the very beginning of the podcast, Nicole and I had always, uh, we had had a conversation, especially earlier in the year, where we were like, do we, how much of ourselves do we want to reveal on this show? How much of our politics or our beliefs do we want to speak on and we really made the conscious decision to show up fully as ourselves to show you all the hard stuff we're figuring out and to be really honest about what we're learning we're definitely we don't have it figured out but we're trying to figure it out and we're just really grateful that y'all are still with us and listening to us and and down to have this journey and to also share your vulnerabilities like we, we see you and we hear you and we want to see and hear more from you. And thank you for seeing and hearing us as well. Feelings. <laughs> Amen. I feel like that's a good note to end on. Yeah. That's it for this episode of the Beyond the Studio podcast. You can find show notes, references, and a brief summary of the episode over at our website, beyondthe.studio. While you're there, be sure to sign up for our mailing list to find out about upcoming guests, special announcements, and podcast giveaways. <laughs> Sorry, I'm probably going to have the like jitters for the first bit, and then I'll. Oh, it's it okay. Me flow. too. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, we always get a little nervous whenever it's just the two of us. It's been a while since we've recorded without a guest. Um, 